Today, you'll hear an episode that was originally released exclusively to our Patreon subscribers during Season 2 of Council for Life. Any promotions or giveaways mentioned in the episode were reserved for our subscribers at the time of the original release. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a subscriber, keep listening at the end of this episode for information about how to join us. This is Council for Life, a podcast engaging conversations about mental health and the Christian life with licensed biblical counselors Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. Subscribers, we are so glad you're with us. We want these episodes to be incredibly practical. And that was our goal. That was Beth and I had kind of said, let's let's try to make them super practical for people. So that's what we're we're doing. And today we want to talk to you about the the subject of confidentiality. So maybe I'll just uh ask you, Beth, to kind of uh kick it off and just have us how should we be thinking about this as not just counselors? Some of some people listening are counselors, licensed counselors, professional counselors, but other people are in ministry, in the church, and yet they're caring for others and stuff. So this is a this is a significant topic. It certainly is in the clinical world. You get kind of drilled down into what it should look like. But um yeah, what do you what do you want to kind of start us off with? What do you think? Well it's so interesting because there's two veins of confidentiality that they they do have similarities, but there are differences as well. And Eliza, you and I are are in both worlds. We have a foot in yeah. each of these worlds. So in the clinical world, like she said, there's there's very specific ethics surrounding mm-hmm. confidentiality that we are expected to follow. But in church-based ministry, which we also are both in, church-based ministry, uh, we we obviously can't we can't necessarily hold to those same standards and maybe and shouldn't necessarily hold to those mm-hmm. same standards. Uh, but there has to be something there. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, the way that I talk about it and think about it as a counselor and as a teacher and as a leader in the church is that um, holding people's stories and their um, the information about them, holding those things carefully is honoring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It honors people when we when we hold their stories with care and we don't we don't think of things in terms of just oh well this is church based ministry so it's a it's a free for all and i can talk right. about whatever i want with whoever i want well that's not that's not honoring to people mm-hmm. so i think about confidentiality first and foremost as a way to honor people and obviously there are limits to confidentiality and we'll talk about some of those limits but it's it's a good thing that we're holding people's stories in honor and their Mm -hmm. information in honor. However, there are always scenarios in which we might need to break that confidentiality. And I actually don't even use that terminology. I just say, um, you know, there are things that we might not be able to keep uh, to ourselves Mm -hmm. because of the nature of it. I will tell people there, there are some times when we need to bring other people in to help mm-hmm. and support and to give direction. And so, yeah, I, I actually agree. I don't know that breaking confidentiality is the best terminology. So that's even something as uh, our listeners are thinking about this, like, what do you say and how do those words communicate still this sense of care and compassion and trust? So yeah, yeah that's a good point. So, so let's just talk for a few minutes about what are some of these, these situations in which we need to bring other people in or, or, or bring the information out from that kind of right. relationship. Again, whether you are mentoring and disciples, discipling someone in the church, you're a small group leader, 
or you're a counselor and you sit with people on the regular week after week, there are certain things that we would need to report specifically, you know, legal kinds of things. And so, um, you know, it is important that we keep in mind that if somebody reports to us, shares with us that there is credible threat of harm to themselves or to someone Mm -hmm. else, that is something that we should not keep to ourselves because we need to be paying attention to people's safety. So Mm -hmm. if, if, uh, if I have somebody that I'm sitting with who reports that they are, you know, actively, having suicidal thoughts and they have a plan and there's a, there's a purpose there, then I'm going to say, Hey, I care so much about your safety. I, I do not want us to be the only two people that know this information because you need to have more support around you. So Mm -hmm. that will be a situation where I would bring that information to other people, or we would talk about it with other friends or neighbors and spouses and whoever we need to, to, to help bring more support around that person. Or if there's threat of harm to someone else, you know, if I'm sitting with someone and they, they say, you know, that there's an active plan to to harm someone else, then that's also something that I wouldn't wouldn't keep to myself. And then of course, abuse, cases of abuse, specifically to children, to the elderly, and to those with, mm-hmm. with disabilities, we are and, and different states are different. So you know, yeah. listeners, but I live in the state of Texas and every adult over the age of 18 is a required reporter of, uh, you know, suspicion of abuse to children, elders, and dis- people with disabilities. So every state is different, but but it's just important for us to know that, that that is part yeah. of what we do. We always take that information outside because we cannot handle that. We're not supposed to handle that. We're not supposed to be the ones to, to make that better or change that. There are authorities in place that help with those situations. So those are kind of the basics yeah. um, from a clinical standpoint that I think can and should apply in church-based ministry as well. Um, Yeah, Yeah, those give us somewhat of a framework in a way. And so um, one of the things that I think is really important is to recognize what's happening in that relationship. And I love that you included, this includes if you're discipling someone, if you're mentoring someone, if you're maybe leading a, maybe you're leading a a support group or a church group or some kind of group that is a specific topic focus that where people are going to share their stories and be a recovery group and knowing that this is um, something that you have to hold very carefully. I want to read to you all a quote from the gospel for disordered lives. It's an introduction to Christ-centered biblical counseling, and it has uh, three authors on there, but um, they have a section on, on ethical issues and it talks about confidentiality. And so just listen to this as it relates to what we're talking about. And it's obviously talking about counseling. So it says the counselee shares personal information that the relationship would not normally allow. So this is recognizing that you're in a relationship that is different than just a regular friendship. That information can be viewed as a trust. And I think that's such an important way to think about it. You have been given a trust. A counselee chooses to entrust a counselor with information they would not want shared or discussed with others because they view it as potentially shameful, painful, or embarrassing. Biblical counselors are committed to keeping in confidence what they are told because it is God honoring. And I would say, even just as Beth shared, it's other honoring as it honors other people and loving. It also builds relationship and suggests honesty, care, and compassion. However, and this is kind of going to lead us into the rest of our conversation here. We must also consider some limits to confidentiality. And I think that's Super important because our words matter, just like we talked about is, is breaking confidentiality, the best terminology, or is there other ways to explain what we're doing? 
And when you offer confidentiality, maybe you are in one of those relationships where it feels like, okay, this is going to be one of those relationships of trust. You want to be careful that you don't back yourself into a situation you, you are going to have to get out of in a way that's going to hurt the relationship. So limits to confidentiality as it pertains to ministry type settings or church type settings. We already talked about the clinical ones. One thing I would say is don't promise absolute confidentiality. Mm, Don't promise that you will not tell somebody something. And if somebody asks you, if somebody says to you, which I think probably every counselor has had somebody say, I want to tell you something, but I don't want you to tell anyone. We really need to say before they tell you, I don't know what you're about to tell me. And I can't guarantee that. So as we think about the church, as we think about being the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, caring for one another, discipling one another, walking with one another, what would you say are some good limits to confidentiality to consider in the context of the the scripture being what's kind of guiding us in that? Mm, Yeah. Well, so, so the foundational, several foundational things that we just talked about a a few minutes ago. So those things hold as well, obviously, but but in addition to that, um, you know, we, we are meant to sharpen one another. We are meant to yeah. call one another to godliness mm-hmm. and repentance and all of these things. So, so, you know, there's, there's a balance, there's a delicate balance of if I'm walking with somebody and I, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing church-based counseling ministry, or I'm leading a small group or I'm mentoring someone and they're sharing, Hey, I'm struggling with this besetting sin. This is a struggle for me. We talk about it. We're working through it. And, and I'm noticing over time, wow, this is not changing or maybe it's getting worse. Um, and, and, you know, maybe even the person is becoming hardened or, or callous to this idea Mm -hmm. of repentance and moving towards the Lord. Oh, I don't think I believe that anymore. I'm not gonna, I don't think I'm going to follow the Lord in that way anymore. I've chosen to believe that this scripture is actually not true. Things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, then I'm beginning to think differently about what this person needs. Right. And Mm -hmm. what I will, you know, what I might say is something to the effect of, I don't, I actually don't think the work that you and I are doing is sufficient based on what you're telling me. I think we need, we need a pastor to step in and have some of these conversations because it seems to me that the road that you're walking on is continuing to veer in a particular direction. um, And that makes me nervous because I care about your soul. And Mm so I I want to have conversation with someone else. We're going to, I'd like to bring in this, this other person. And that doesn't, so if someone is, is, uh, seems to be veering, you know, or, or their conscience seems to be beginning to harden or be seared, um, as scripture says, then I'm, I'm not going to tell that to everybody. I know I'm not going to talk about that with just anyone. I'm going to look for a specific person to bring in. So think of it in the Matthew 18 kind of way. I'm going to go and find someone who can be helpful and bring that person in to have that conversation. So you're telling me week after week that you're struggling with this sin and then you really aren't struggling anymore. And you're just giving yourself over to it. Then I, I need to do the Matthew 18 process. That's, that's what it's there for is for us to say, well, what do we do next? Um, and so I think that's one, one thought. Um, I mean, obviously there's certain kinds of sin that are, are, there's more immediate action to take, but in the case of you sort of see someone beginning to veer over time, I'm, I'm looking for somebody else who can get their eyes and ears on that situation and additionally care for that person. I think another way to think about this, that, that our, that our listeners need to consider as well is 
um, the value of broadening their circle of care. We've talked about this on other episodes. Um, so part of having limits to confidentiality is helping them see that it's more helpful for them, even if it's not sin per se, but even suffering or struggling in various ways, that it's good to have other people that God actually created us to live in community with more than just one person. And so um, part of expanding who knows their story. And that would be something that you would want to walk with your counselee or your disciple, you know, the person you're discipling or your mentee with is that, Hey, we, it, like you said, you know, in some situations with sin, like we might need to bring the pastor, the shepherd of your soul into this, but in other situations, it's like, there's, there's needs that you have that are legitimate needs that the body can come alongside you in. And so how do we think through bringing people in who are, who are going to be careful with your story, who are going to be sensitive to what needs to be um, done and, and so forth. And so mm-hmm. I think even just in light of, of uh, suffering as well, how can we do that? And it's, and I would say, if you are going to, we'll go back to the word that we said, or the phrase that we said was not always helpful. If you are going to break confidentiality, it's helpful. If in, if, any possible means you can, if there's a way for you to do it with the person mm-hmm. either there or with you in the process. I know there are sometimes, especially in situations with child abuse and things like that, where you may not always be able to give them a heads up, but I can't think of a time where I've had to bring more people into a situation that I didn't include the people who, whose mm-hmm. story it was. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and the other thing that I want to say related to uh, what you were talking about with bringing people in and not being the only one who knows the information, even as a clinical counselor, this is a protective factor. I think I tell my clients at the outset, I know you're going to share things with me, maybe that you haven't told anyone before. One of my goals is that I would never be the only person who knows information. I might be the only person who knows details, but in terms of what you're experiencing, I, as your counselor, man, that's, first of all, that's a lot of pressure, right? <laughs> to be like, I'm the only one that knows, that I'm the only one that's caring for you in this way. But these are big things that people are bringing to us. And so we shouldn't be holding them by ourselves. No. And so yeah. I tell my clients even, man, you don't have to tell the details to someone else, but who's another safe person who can also come alongside you with this thing you're struggling with? I don't want to be the only one. I don't ever want to be exactly. the only one. Yeah. So in just continuing along those lines, um, actually the, the book that I quoted from the gospel for disordered lives has six ways that they recommend. So I'm just going to throw these out there as ideas for our listeners. And I'm just going to read them, uh, one lines, um, from each one and not going to necessarily expound on all of them because I think we already have on some. So these are some ways that they suggest that confidentiality may not apply. Um, when we need to seek advice from other professionals or counselors, which I'm actually going to circle back to in just a minute. So just hold that one. So basically getting input from other professionals or counselors. Uh, the other one is um, seeking advice from attorneys, which I think is actually helpful. Sometimes you're going to need to share some information because there's litigation involved. Uh, the next one, the third one is to accommodate mandated reporting, which we've already talked about. Number four is addressing suicidal intentions when somebody has shared that, and that would be a threat to self. Beth mentioned that at the beginning. Number five is if a report of a crime is necessary, because you might actually hear about a lot of crimes. If you are in the counseling room, it may not be necessary. Mm, you have to remember, yeah. we are not, we are not law enforcers or we are not the law enforcement. So make sure we 
keep that as necessary in mind. And the last one was, as Beth already talked about, to communicate uh, with the local church and to bring the church involved. So those are six ways that they kind of give us to think about it. I want to go back to the first one, to seek advice from other professionals, because this is probably one of the most helpful things that I have found in counseling is to have other skilled counselors like you, Beth, or other colleagues where it's like, look, here's the situation. Can you help me think through how to best care for this person? And that in the counseling world, we call it case consultation, or maybe even supervision, where there's experts in the room who have been doing this for a while, and they're helping think through a case. So if that is the situation, that will actually bless the person you're walking with, because those people are more than likely also thinking about those those six things that we talked about briefly and the others they're holding your story in a certain amount of trust you're not giving specifics of the name and the person and of all of those things but you're giving a general enough information so that you can be helped so that's really really valuable but i have seen it go in a very uh negative place in ways where and i'm just just sharing as we are human and there's something about having a, as the scripture says, a, a, a juicy morsel, you know, just this, mm. like it can go into your, your ears and be like, wait, we can become curious for the sake of curiosity and not for the sake of compassion and help. And so um, I, I just kind of want to talk about that for a minute. So Beth, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I just, have you found that to be a place where it could potentially go bad? Absolutely. I mean, I love the definition and I, I, can't, I don't know who coined this. It's been around a while, but just, you know, the idea of gossip would be talking about something with people who are not part of the problem or the solution. Yes. So it just, good. you know, venting <laughs> is not helpful. But the reason that we end up doing that is because we need an outlet for the hard things that we're experiencing and hearing from people sometimes. So there's places Mm -hmm. where you can do that in a way that honors the Lord and the person, um, which I'm happy to talk about how I do that. But yes, absolutely. It's like, it's, it's really easy to end up kind of innocent, like a water cooler setting, you know, so to speak, Mm -hmm. where people are sort of gathered around and they're just talking about, um, oh, I got this crazy client. Oh, I, this person that I'm meeting with, whatever. And they don't necessarily use names. And so it feels like, oh, it's okay. But you know what? Mm-hmm. If you're just talking about it for the sake of talking about it, like comparing stories, that's not what we did. That, that's not honoring. That's not what no. we are meant to do as helpers. So yeah. um, I know for me, I will just say like I, part of the reason that I have my own counselor is so that I have a safe place where I can actually process some things Mm -hmm. that I do that I'm struggling with when I'm in the counseling room with clients, stories that Mm -hmm. I hear ways that it's affecting me. Like I need a space where I can do that. And that's part of the reason I have a count. There's other reasons too. I need a counselor for many reasons, but, uh, but that's part of why I have a counselor of my own, you know? Um, And so there's that. And then yes, like consultation with, with other counselors who are wise, there are certain Mm -hmm. things that I, I, there are certain things I will not do without, calling my friend Greg or my friend Mallory, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, I think there's a chance I might need to call CPS. Let me just give you the lowdown, the basics of this information. And I want your confirmation. Yes. You probably should call CPS, you know, things like that where, gosh, and, and not, I mean, that's pretty severe. Obviously I'm consulting about other things too, that are less severe, but certainly in cases where, you know, like a a major, you know, breaking confidentiality, I'm definitely going to consult. 
So I think that's just what you shared is so key. Like are, is this leaning towards gossip or is this truly consultation? And we just have to be careful. And so we want to share that on this, this episode of just like helping you think through this. How do you become a better counselor? You, you do need to ask yourself, is this a question that I'm just curious about? Or is this a question that I need to ask about the situation that's going to help me better speak into it and better understand, you know, this scenario? Uh, because I, I was thinking, as you were saying that Proverbs eleven thirteen says that a gossip goes around revealing secrets, but a trustworthy person keeps confidence. And so we want to be trustworthy mm-hmm. and know when we, we don't reveal secrets. That's not what we're doing. When we do consultation, we are carefully handling what needs to be shared and limiting what that is and sharing it in, in a way that respects and honors the person who's not in the room. And I love that little phrase that you said, that is that those people who we're sharing it with can be part of the solution. Um, and I think that there's a passage in Acts uh, 24, 16, and it says, I make it my aim. This is Luke talking, or I, I, I take pains always, another version says, um, to have a clear conscience between God and men. And I mm. think if we think about this issue of confidentiality and potentially having to share somebody's story, do it in a way that that we make it our aim or we take pains. I love that version. We, it's actually painful at times to be like, okay, how do I do this in a way that I'm going to come out of it saying I have a clear conscience before God and man. And so this is important. This mm-hmm. is an important subject for our field. I think it's an important subject for Christianity because I definitely have heard from people who have been hurt by the church because of this specific subject. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and, and one other thought just related to church-based ministry, if you are involved in church-based ministry, either as a pastor or a ministry leader, or even just I'm, I'm involved in this ministry, it's, it's probably wise to think about how to prepare people in advance for the fact that you may have to share information outside Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. of the the conversation. And so I don't know, I mean, you know, I'm sure some like Bible studies and mentorship kinds of things, they might might not do this, but I know in our, you know, our groups that are recovery-like kinds of groups, we, at the very beginning, we read, here's what we're doing. Here's scenarios within which we would need to share this information outside of group. We're asking the group members to honor each other by not sharing information outside the group. And I just think that's wise. If you can do that, you're giving people at the outset, this is what, this is what we're going to do. And for, for people, at least in the settings where I lead, because I'm a care minister at a church and, you know, we're leading groups where people are talking about things that are really, really hard. Um, It's comforting to people to know, okay, well, I I know where the boundary lines are, right? I know, you know, when the information will be shared outside a group, I know that the group members are not supposed to share my information with their family and friends and it's comforting. It should be a comfort, hopefully for them to know that in advance. And so even, you know, even uh, people that are, in discipleship relationships, it's always nice to be able to say it before the problem arises. If you can, if you're entering into a a discipleship or mentorship relationship with someone to be able to say, Hey, just, just want you to be aware. Um, these are some, we want to, I want to honor your information, but just recognize that there may be situations where we're not able to, to, to keep that between us. And I just want you to know that, but in everything I am seeking to honor you and I'm seeking to move you towards the Lord. And so we're going to try to do that in the wisest way possible, which sometimes means bringing other people into the conversation. So 
that would be something else that I think can be really helpful. Yeah, this is good. Such an important topic. It's going to be something, whether you're in counseling and and as Beth just shared or other types of ministry, that you're going to find yourself going, what do I do with this? And so we just want to encourage you, consider the things that we talked about here, those six things that might be ways that you have to bring other people in, but how you do it is so important. And, uh, And then what we do, even when we're not, in a sense, having to, quote unquote, break confidentiality, how we talk about the people who God has entrusted us um, with their stories. How do we talk about those people in other settings mm. or do we, you know, and, and what that looks like is, is really important. And um, it's so important, not just to the ministry, but to the, um, to the picture of the church that people are seeing. And so, yes, I, th- I hope this has been helpful for you listeners who have taken the time to be a friend of the podcast, we continue to try to think through ways that we can better equip you in the work that you're doing and, and also just help you have a better understanding of what biblical counseling is, what it can look like, how we as Christians can navigate this world of counseling. And so thank you so much for subscribing to Counsel for Life. Thanks for listening to Counsel for Life. Want to become a friend of the podcast? Join our Patreon. Friends of the podcast receive bonus episodes each month that take a deeper dive into topics discussed and provide additional practical and personal insight from the hosts. Friends of the podcast will also be entered into monthly drawings for free resources from our sponsors. For more information, visit www.counselforlifepodcast.com. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode.